Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Hello, welcome. Today on the podcast, we're heating things up a little and talking about S-E-X, sex. We don't talk about it enough and we have so many questions. I know this because I told a bunch of you I was interviewing a sex therapist and the questions, all of which were very similar, came in droves. So hopefully today's episode will answer some of the questions you have in relation to your own sex life. And I'm not talking about the cringeworthy dolly doctor stuff. I'm talking practical information that can be applied to your sex life tonight. Holding our hand and taking us through it all is Australia's leading sexologist, Juliet Allen. Yeah, sexology, it's a thing. Juliet comes from a background in psychology and sexology, is a qualified yoga teacher and a trained kundalini tantra practitioner. Now, I am by no means a prude, but the thought of chatting sex on the podcast made my palms a little sweaty. But this conversation was a breeze. And I know you're going to take away so many useful tips and tricks to improve your antics in the bedroom. Ah, you're welcome. talk about sex you probably hear that yeah. all the time is that like the most boring thing someone can say to you <laughs> no not at all I love it <laughs> I love what I do so no. so then tell us tell us about what it is that you do so I'm a sexologist and a sex and relationship coach and what I do is I basically get paid to either talk to people about their um, sex, sexuality, relationships and help them come up with solutions of how to have amazing sex and amazing empowered relationships. Um, Or I am writing a lot, so I get paid to write for different publications about sex. And and then I do speaking gigs and I create – I'm just about to launch a new – book called ecstatic sex and deep intimacy and that's um all about tantra so i'm also a tantra practitioner um which is more the sacred spiritual side of sex how does one decide that sexology is something that they want to study yeah okay so basically 
I um, became a mum and then I studied um, yoga and I became a yoga teacher. And after a few years teaching yoga and running my own business, I got really over it and I kind of, I was standing at the front of class and I was staying everyone and I was just like, there's, there's more to life than this for me. And so um, I decided that I wanted to go back to uni. I studied psychology when I was a lot younger and I thought I'll do, a, I'll study a postgrad um, course. And I sat down with my partner at the time and I was like, what should I study? And then I kind of came up with sex because I love sex. I always have. I love talking about it. I've always been that friend in the friendship circle that everybody comes to to tell me about their secrets or ask for advice or just, I guess, um, people feel like I don't judge them when it comes to sex and sexuality. So I've always loved talking about it and learning about it. And so I decided to um, enrol in a master's in sexology and I always had the intention of working for myself um, because I've always been a a bit of an entrepreneur. So, yeah, I studied it and I loved it and um, I just launched my career as a sexologist a few, you know, maybe six or seven years ago. And, yeah, here I am. I find that so fascinating because I think you're right, like, People do want to talk about sex, but people don't talk about it. Yeah, completely. Everybody's really fascinated by it and quite curious, but there's still a real taboo in in the world, all over the world. Um, And so, yeah, it's still quite secretive, the topic of it, definitely. So where do you think then, where where do we start to sort of open up that conversation around sex? I think it starts with people being more comfortable within their own sexuality, so doing the work and, I don't know, coming to people like me for coaching or um, therapists, whatever suits you, and, um, yeah, breaking through shame and guilt that we feel as individuals around our sexuality that often is instilled in us as a child, and then um, being able to open up the conversations for others is just be, you know, if you're confident within yourself, um, then you can do that. But I think it starts in schools too. Oh, yes. And that's a conversation I want to have. But before we get there, how how would you, as a sexologist, and is there a definition that you use, how would you define sexuality? Uh, look, some people think sexuality is just to do with, like, are you gay, straight, lesbian, bi, trans, whatever. I more so just speak of sexuality as how we identify with ourselves and our sex and our sensuality. So everybody's different. It's just a word, really. It's whatever we want to put meaning to. <laughs> you know, what, what, how I put meaning to it is sexuality is how we relate to ourselves sexually. Absolutely. And that, that encompasses more than the act of sex, right? Yeah, because you don't have to be physically having sex with someone to be sexually connected with them you could have a more cosmic connection like as a I don't know a spiritual sexual connection where you have sex with them and you're not actually being penetrated or touching physically you know it's so funny I was just saying to you before we um started recording how many questions I have in front of me I want to (laughs) keep jumping I want to keep jumping back and forth but you say things and I'm like oh I gotta ask that one so what happened was I put I put a call out on Instagram for people to direct message me any questions they had for you 
and mm-hmm. within 15 minutes uh, it was just bing 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 binging so um <laughs> i've got most of them here and we'll try and get through them but i also have some of my own um excellent so on the topic of that sexual chemistry and not necessarily having had sex with someone yet but just having that indescribable connection with something with some sorry not with something with someone (laughs) how how do you how do you explain like how do you explain sexual chemistry it's so indescribable it is an indescribable feeling that you have with somebody else or more than one person and it's um it can be on all different levels so you could have a sexual attraction that's really like at your base, like at your sex center, which is at your base and at your womb and your genitals. And that's just a really like, I just want to have sex with you right here, right now. And then, but then you could have a chemistry that's more like a heart based sexual chemistry, which is like, I just want to make love to you. And then you could have a more consciousness based connection, which is like, I feel like we've perhaps met in other lives and I feel like I'm, connecting with you sexually on a whole new level where when we do connect it's like we're going into other realms and meeting each other in other lives and there's so many different ways of connecting sexually <laughs> yeah, yeah I was like all that, of that I sounds know that opens up a really whole great it does yeah. it does it yeah. does but I understand what you're saying so if then we are looking at long-term partnerships with people is it important that we have that sexual chemistry and then second to that is that something that we either have or we don't have with someone Mm. so with long-term partnerships if it's a monogamous relationship which most people are in the western world um but there are a lot of people who are in different you know polyamorous or open relationships but if you're in a monogamous relationship i do think it's important that you have sexual chemistry with that person um But then again, some people just are not very sexually inclined. And so there are some couples who are actually really happy not having sex very often at all. And it's not, they're just not sexual beings and that's okay. It doesn't worry them. Whereas then there's other couples who perhaps one person wants way more sex than the other. And so it causes conflict because, yeah, they've been together forever and they're like, oh, how do we keep this spark going, you know? Okay, so that was that was a question that came through from a few different people in a few, with a few different sort of variations of it. But I guess basically, when you have a mismatched libido with your partner, and maybe it's something that happens over time when there's different stresses in um, each person's life, mm. how do you as a sex therapist deal with something like that? Okay, so if a couple comes to me, which they do, and often one person has a higher libido than the other, or and or they're both just bored and they're just like, we're sick of having sex with each other, but we don't want to break up because we love each other and we have a really strong heart connection, then there is no magic click of the fingers that I do as a sex coach to fix that but what often happens is I look at different areas of their lives first and often people are working too hard these days or they're really really busy with um, parenting and running at home businesses or going to work nine to five and then what happens is couples don't prioritize each other um, especially in long longer term relationships and so 
often it's just about tweaking a few things, for example, getting the kids babysat once a week every single week so that they can actually have time by themselves together. Or it may be about one person is feeling really unhealthy and unfit and have, has realised that after a few weeks of exercising and eating well, they feel like sex more often because they're feeling better about themselves. Okay, so what about this as a scenario? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a fr- it happened to a friend of a friend of mine. No, no. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> yeah I know that one well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not me. It's my friend. No, no, but really. Um, what about somebody who – and I've, had, I've heard this from a lot of different friends over the years – with as you know i'm in my early 30s and um a lot of the men in our lives and that's a mass generalization because it happens to the women too but they have very stressful jobs and Mm. they go through periods in their life where they're just too stressed and too kind of preoccupied to be thinking about sex which is a really strange feeling for a woman to not have the man want to initiate sex And so, you know, after being rejected several times, how does a woman come back from that? It's it's an epidemic, like this whole situation, whether it's the woman wanting more sex than the man or the man wanting more sex from the woman, it's happening so commonly that it's actually concerning for me. I think it's like an epidemic. So whoever asks this question needs to know that they're really not alone and probably most people listening to this have experienced it at some stage. But... Um, how do you bounce back from being rejected, basically? Is that it? Yeah. So I think what's really important in these circumstances is really great communication between the two people involved. So if your husband or partner has been working too hard and saying no to sex because he's too tired or she's too tired, then there needs to be a conversation had, which is, hey, I've noticed this is happening. Sex and intimacy are really important for me and and something needs to change. Because often we don't talk about it in fear of confrontation or whatever. And even I'm the same. Like, I, I totally get it. Sometimes I'm like, fuck, I can't believe I have to have this conversation because it could mean we have a huge argument or something, whatever. Or it could mean that that other person feels like they're not good enough. But as soon as I talk about it, it's like the problem actually dissolves, maybe not all the way, but it's out there and it's like, yeah, so just talk about it. What do you think makes good sex? Good sex or great sex? Like are we talking phenomenal sex? Great or just sex. Well, okay, great what, what do you think? Um, the, the original question was what's the difference between good sex and great sex? The difference between good sex and great sex? Good sex for me is just like boring, goal-oriented sex, which is basically like – you have an orgasm, I have an orgasm, you come, I come, and then we go to sleep. That's that's good sex for me because I still get an, an orgasm, a clitoral orgasm at least. They still get an orgasm, the person I'm having sex with, whether it's a man ejaculating or a woman having an orgasm. And then it's like, okay, you know, we did the deed kind of. Then great sex, I would say, is Connecting at all levels, so at our sex centre, which is like our really instinctual drive for sex and like lust and passion and like fucking basically, and then our heart connection, so feeling like a real heart connection with the person that you're with, and then more of like a soul connection or, um, you know, something just a bit more than just 
the sex connection. So when you have those three centers in your body, and this is tantra now, but when you have those three centers in your body connected, then sex can go for for hours and it's nothing to do with orgasm. It's to do with complete intimacy and connection with the other person. And so my definition of really great sex and the really great sex that I have in my life is nothing to do with having to reach an end goal of orgasm or ejaculation, but more so just having really deep intimacy with someone. If people are listening to this and are like, whoa, you know, three centers I've got to be thinking about, (laughs) you know, I'm just happy if I come at the end of the day. What would you say to them about exploring perhaps the heart side of it and the soul side of it? It is Tantra. So it is um, quite a spiritual, sacred side of looking at sex, basically. Um, But if they do want to explore it, then... um, I've just written a book and it launches next week and it's basically um, all about how to live a tantric life in a modern world. So um, it's about having tantric sex with yourself and then having tantric sex with other people. And um, the book explains all this. And then at the end of the book, I've also given recommendations of other books that explain it. So... um, yeah, that's where I'd say is start reading about it. Yeah, perfect. All right, well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So you said that's available next week. Yeah, next yeah, week. Amazing. Yeah. And I wrote, I wrote that because when I didn't know about Tantra, I was like, what is this Tantra thing? Is it just people having orgies? Is it what is it? Is it a hippie thing? I don't know. But, yeah, Sting does it. He has, like, however long sex. I don't know. And so I was like, I feel really cool to it. But then I'd go to stuff and it was all like a bit airy-fairy, hippie, weirdo stuff. And I was like, I'm just really grounded and I just want to get straight to the point. So this new book is a book that is straight to the point, practical ways to incorporate Tantra into your life as a normal everyday person. You don't have to be some airy-fairy, hippie you know, to do it. Not that there's anything wrong with hippies because I'm a bit of a hippie myself. No, I'm a bit of a hippie too. But, you know, the thing that the thing for me is, um, and I'm not in a relationship at the moment, but I know when I am in a long-term relationship, sometimes, you know, sex can feel like you've really got to fit it in, you know, like it becomes a little bit of a chore at times. And then the idea of, you know, exploring tantric sex and having to put, you know, this whole new kind of, effort is so the wrong word (laughs) but you know like dedicate some time when we're all so busy into creating this connection with someone else can can kind of feel like an extra bit of chore you know yeah and you know what it doesn't suit everybody like I don't have tantric sex all the time because sometimes I just want to have a clitoral orgasm and go to sleep and roll over and go to sleep yeah, and that's okay too. You know, you don't have to be having this really spiritual sex or this like multiple orgasmic two-hour, five-hour, whatever sex. Like it can just be wham, bam, thank you, man, quick, quickie too. There's no rights and wrongs. So if you don't orgasm, is that bad sex? No, no, I don't think so. I, I've had some of the most amazing sex I've had in my life. Is There's no been no orgasm. Um, no peak orgasm see there's a difference like everybody thinks orgasm is this crazy big peak experience like you know you're getting there and you're getting there and finally it's like this explosive thing but 
orgasm is everything. It's like the pleasure that you feel in your body right from the beginning. Like it's not just, you know, that it's not just a peak experience. So then for men, and I, I guess most of the people listening to this podcast are women, but mm. is, is sex different for men and women? Because, you know, unless a man ejaculates, he, mm. I, I'm speaking for all men here, but I'm assuming they don't think that sex is done. You know, it's not over mm. until yeah. that moment. And is ejaculation and orgasm one and the same for men? Look, it's a generalisation is that most men... Most men, yes, they want to ejaculate at the end of sex. It's, you know, mostly at the end because when a man ejaculates, often he's tired. He he instantly loses that feeling of connection with his partner and he feels done, in inverted commas, you know. They're, yeah, most men do want to ejaculate. You know, the only men who don't enjoy ejaculation are men who are into tantra and most of them only ejaculate maybe once a month or two times a year and that, that's a whole other... What? Topic. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and so it doesn't become about ejaculation. It becomes about connection and full body orgasm. So you don't have to ejaculate as a man to have an orgasm. No. So everybody who's listening right now, take a moment to think. Imagine if you had sex tonight with somebody who you loved or somebody, I don't care if you don't love them, either way, and someone who you're connected to, and there's no goal of ejaculation or um, orgasm, clitoral orgasm. It just, it totally changes how you see and experience sex because it's not about getting somewhere. It's about sitting in the experience and experiencing everything that comes up and connecting on a different level. And then stopping when you feel like usually you're in a more of a meditative state or something. Yeah, and being present, I guess. You're right. We're, we're sort of always kind of aiming for that end goal instead of enjoying the moment mm. that we're in at the time. It's hard. It's not an easy practice. No, to, not at all. But to it's, stay present. But it is practice, right? And that's kind of fun thing to practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I might practice tonight because, you know, I'm not, I'm not great at it either. Sometimes I'm just like so not present. So I'm human too. So I totally get what it's like. What are your thoughts on casual sex? I love casual sex. My thoughts, personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favourite pastimes. <laughs> um, but my thoughts on it are, and I've got asked this a lot lately, so I've been talking to a lot of people about it, that some people do use it as a distraction um, or as an addiction. And in the past, I have actually used it in a breakup, I've gone and then had casual sex to distract myself from processing what's happened, which is a really big breakup. So looking back, it probably wasn't the best way to deal with things. I guess at least I wasn't drinking or taking drugs, but that that can be a um, an addiction. Casual sex for some people doesn't work because um, – they can get attached really easily, especially women, and then it, it, it stuffs it emotionally. It's not good for women. Yes. But um, I do think Let's you identify with that. I, yeah, I, I identify with it, and I also have a lot of girlfriends that identify with it, um, and maybe you can tell me more about this. When women have casual sex, we do seem to become more attached than when men have casual sex. 
Is it a hormonal yes. release? Yep. Is there some sort of brain chemistry going on? Yeah, because when we have sex, we release you know, great happy stuff in our body that makes us feel fantastic and makes us feel really deeply connected to that person in the moment. So there's definitely chemical stuff that's going on in our body that instantly makes us feel more connected to that person, that, that person, if, you know, in general, let's say that man. And in regards to sex between men and women, men do have more of an ability to detach, um, whereas women do get more attached. So the key to successful casual sex, and this is from me experiencing it a lot and figuring out what works and what doesn't work is that um, there needs to be really great communication and transparency between two people. So it's about saying, hey, what are your expectations of this? Like, do you just want to sleep with each other every now and then and have other, are we both, do we both have other people that we're sleeping with or is this a one-off thing? What's your expectation? Because when you can get clear on that, then as a woman or a man, but let's say as a woman for myself, if I know, okay, I'm sleeping with this guy, he's also sleeping with two other women, he's told me that, he's also said to me, I'm not in for commitment, I don't want, I'm, I'm not ready for a long-term relationship right now because I just got out of one, whatever excuse he has, um, and I, but I do enjoy your company and I, I'd like to see you every now and then. Then me saying yes and consenting to, okay, I'm going to get into this situation. I can't then blame him if something happens because I know all the details. I know all the facts. So I can't really get hurt in the situation because I know everything. Whereas if I got into it not knowing that he was sleeping with other women and not knowing that he doesn't want commitment, then I may suddenly conjure up this story of, oh, my God, I think he's into me. I don't even think he's seeing anyone else. Um, he may want we, – maybe we can have kids one day. And then when that doesn't happen, our expectations aren't met and we're, we become heartbroken, basically. And some guys and women that you talk to about this will be like, why, what do you mean you want to know if I'm sleeping with anyone else? And I say, because I have every right to know. Like, if you're putting your – cock and oh, I shouldn't say is this am I allowed to say swear with sure. if you're putting you know if you're putting yourself inside me and I'm allowing for that then I have every right to know whether you're doing this with other people because me opening my legs to you and opening my heart to you and everything to you is is a really big deal for me whether it's a one night stand or not I don't care I still take it seriously that I'm getting intimate with somebody yeah absolutely so I guess on that note then next question what does it mean to be sexually empowered I think it means that we're really being authentically who we are sexually and that we own our sexual desires and our sexual fantasies and um what we want and what we don't want and being empowered is being able to talk about it really openly and also having the courage to face what it is that holds us back from feeling really free within our sexuality. So, for example, um, having the courage to, I don't know, come talk to me and be like, hey, like um, when I was seven I have a memory of this and it feels like it was a traumatic experience and I want to clear it because I want to be able to have great sex with my husband. Or, hey, you know, when I was 20 um, – 
I was paid to have sex and it's been playing on my mind and I feel a lot of shame and guilt about it and I want to move through that. It's like having the courage to face stuff because we all have stuff that gets in the way of us having really amazing sex. Yeah. So um, we talked about earlier about talking about sex more because people really want to be talking about it. They have so many questions. But should we be talking to people outside of the people we're having sex with about sex? Mm. It's a personal choice. Some people only talk to their partner about sex and that's if that feels right, then only do that. But sometimes it's good to reach outside of the relationship and get a more objective bit of advice or just someone who you can have a good rant to and be like, this is shit, I don't know what to do, like, you know, he's not listening or he's not initiating or whatever it is. I think it's perfectly okay to talk to whoever you feel safe and respected and loved by about sex because, yeah, it's like let's open up the conversation because we're all experiencing some sort of throughout our life some sort of challenge or whatever it is and um, unless we open up the conversations we won't know what other people are going through sex in schools we talked about it earlier what Mm. you've got a young child what do Mm. you think about sex education and the way that we're taught about sex i mean nobody taught me how to have sex i'll tell you that (laughs) yeah Um, maybe the movies i think sex education especially in australia is really insufficient and Uh, It's just non-existent, really. I mean, some kids are getting it, but they're getting it from their PE teacher or somebody who's not even trained in that area. And often, as adults, we have hang-ups around our own sexuality and and our own relationship to sex. And then, you know, some teachers are given these kind of like, you need to talk to the kids about sex. But these these teachers, and this is a generalisation, they don't even know what the hell's going on in their own sex life, let alone teaching it to 12-year-olds or 16-year-olds. So the sex ed in Australia is crap, and I think um, until something radical happens in the education system, parents, aunties, uncles, whoever it is, friends of the family, need to educate their children about sex and I have written a few articles on my blog about this with guidelines on what you should talk to your kids about oh fantastic okay I will Mm. I will link to that is there an age that you think we should start talking about it I mean kids or teenagers are having sex earlier than they used to I think we we need to start talking to kids about sex from whenever it feels right and sometimes maybe it won't feel right for some parents it'll feel a bit awkward but the best way that we as parents, yeah, if, if I'm speaking to the parents right now, a great transmission of sex is being sexually empowered. So doing the work within yourself as a mother or father or auntie or caretaker or whoever you are to feel comfortable within your own skin when it comes to sex so that you can then show the children around you what it's like to be comfortable within your sexuality. And then as parents, it's about telling our children, you know, when you first have sex, you want to feel safe, you want to feel loved, you know, being really open and honest about masturbation too, which is a huge part of sex, it's sex with ourselves. So um, I could talk about this for days, but it's like model the behaviour that you want your child to be, you know, um, copying. So if you're 
pretending as a partnership that as parents that you're not having sex and it's all behind closed doors and it's very hush-hush and, you know, then your child will think, oh, sex is something that we hide. Sex is something that mum and dad, I don't even know whether they do. It's not important at all to them. And that's what they'll take into their relationships. Or if you say, mummy and daddy make love. And when we make love, you may feel, you may, um, we may close the door. And um, that's the time that we have sacred time to ourselves to connect. And it's beautiful and it's amazing. And when you're older, you know, and you find somebody who you feel connected to and you feel safe and respected and loved by, then um, that may be something you wish to to you know choose to do too as I said I could talk for days because I think it's really important for kids to get this education real life education not the sit down and talk about the birds and the bees and the penis goes in the vagina and that's the basics but like there's no such thing as just one talk and then our kids are okay no absolutely not and I think you're right like you you have you have the ability as the parent to empower your child with the knowledge. The stuff that mm. I heard was from either from other children or reading about it. I was given a book to read about it. And then I guess what I saw on television and in the movies, which like you said, is not real life anyway. So yeah, if you if you're the one making it taboo, then it's then it's taboo. So open the conversation. I think that's great yeah. advice. And the other thing, just the other thing I want to add in is be really inclusive with your language. So don't assume that your son or your daughter are going to have sex with the opposite sex because so many children, so many of us don't identify as heterosexual. We identify, may identify as gay or lesbian or whatever, or we may just be at some stages in our life attracted to people of the same sex. And so I think... It's really important that we're inclusive with our language so that if our son or daughter um, or niece or nephew or whatever, if they grow up and they're attracted to, say, say they're a little girl and they grow up and they're like, oh, I want to kiss my friend in, you know, year seven, then it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's a possibility to do that. It's not like, oh, mummy never talked about that, so... I shouldn't do that yeah yeah that's really good advice and I guess I guess the children of our generation are so open to the idea of same-sex relationships it's not it's not like it was when I was a kid and it's certainly not like it was when my parents were children so you know talking about it with them now it's not going to shock them the way that I think most people think that maybe it will and it's it's their it's their crap that they're dealing with yeah, yeah. I don't think it will shock them as much, but you'd be surprised at how many parents are still not really having the conversations that they should be with their children. Um, and, I mean, if you think of, say, a long-term relationship and they've been together for 10 years and then they have kids but they're not really having sex, then you can see that it could be hard for them to have the conversation with their children because they're like, what the hell's going on in my relationship? I'm not even having sex. So how do I explain sex to my kids? So that's why it's important to sort out your stuff and sort out the issues that come up in relationship. Okay, so if we're talking about hetero relationships or same-sex relationships, how important do you think it is to have a balance of yin and yang or feminine and masculine energy polarity is the key to great sex okay so whether you're in um yeah a relationship with a man and a woman or two women or two men it doesn't matter 
there needs to be polarity. Within us all, we have a masculine pole and a feminine pole. So if you're challenged by thinking there's a masculine and feminine within us all, think of it as yin and yang. The feminine surrenders, opens, um, is in flow, is, yeah, that's, that's a short version. The masculine is very penetrative, is energetically and physically during sex, um, holds space, witnesses without judgment, is very present, whereas the, the feminine is more flowing and often really crazy and, you know, just think of a woman dancing. It's like this dance, whereas the man, the masculine holds space. So we have both these energies within us as individuals, whether we're in a male body or a female body. When we come together sexually, um, we, for great sex to happen, there needs to be somebody who is more surrendered and somebody who is more holding space, being present. So think of a man and a woman. The woman often, when she's really in her feminine, is very open. It's like a flower opening to the masculine. And the masculine comes in and kind of kind of takes control in a way. Maybe not, you know, very subtly it could be. Same with two women having sex. Like I've been in relationships with both men and women and sex with both men and women. So I've explored this with both dynamics. And you know, with two women, often it can be, for me, I was in a relationship with a woman and she, we both wanted to be in our feminine. So we were both like, oh, I want to just, you know, be in our feminine and surrender and flow. And it wasn't working until we figured out somebody has to, during sex, more so be in the masculine, like be in that space of like, I'm going to fuck you or I'm going to, you know, you use open and surrender and I will hold space for you to open. When we figured out the dynamic, then it worked. So I guess then if you follow that, then there can be a situation with a male and female having sex where the woman is taking on the masculine role and the man is kind of surrendering. And Yeah, so, for example, um, the woman always gets on top and the man kind of lies there and it's just like, oh, well, she'll just lie here and go for it. And, you know, the woman, I mean, I've done this. Um, you know, it's like the woman just kind of gets on and takes control and is very penetrative with her energy and the man just kind of drops, you know, he surrenders more. And that there can be a beautiful play between the two polarities in heterosexual relationships um, of men feeling what it's like to fully surrender and enjoying that. But then it can become problematic when the woman's always in her masculine, holding space, because the woman is going to get tired of always being in her masculine because it actually doesn't come as naturally as being in the feminine. And then she could get resentful or she could just be like, I'm over this. Like I'm sick of just you just being a lazy mother effer and me having to do everything. You Absolutely. Know? So that's, I mean, that's another question that, that um, was sent to me. Um, with so many women having to step into their masculine in the workplace, what would your advice be for slipping back into the feminine when they're in the bedroom? Having a partner who knows how to hold the masculine. So it can actually be really hard to learn how to do that because, you know, for example, a woman who comes home from a, a 
being at work all day and she's really in her masculine. She's really focused. She's task oriented. She's very like, it's like very moving forward at fast pace, like has a purpose is like, you know, I'm going to get this done and it's, you know, this is my goal. And then you come home to be able to drop into your feminine, your partner needs to know that, um, how to be more so in their masculine so that you can drop and polarize into your feminine. So, and it's also about choosing, you know, I'm going to do some activities that allow me to be in my feminine more. So perhaps I'm going to go dance or I'm going to sing or, um, allow myself just to relax and not always have to be in control and, yeah, it's it's a complex one, and it's but it's very common for women to be experiencing this. I'm experiencing it right now. <laughs> okay, yeah. So yeah, I'm actually struggling with this because I've been really busy with work, and I've been very much. I have a few big big things that I'm doing at the moment, and so I'm really like I've got this to do list, and I'm like really focused, and I'm like boom, 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 and then I leave my office, which is detached from my house, and I go back into the house and then my um, lover at the moment is like, who's staying with me a lot, is like, you're so in your masculine, you need to drop out of it. And I'm like, oh, it's just so hard for me to then drop into this kind of chilled, yeah, and then surrendered woman. Step back into the masculine when you need to. I think, I think that women come up against this a lot and not just in the bedroom but there's these sort of ideas that when we drop back into feminine from masculine that we open ourselves up to feeling very vulnerable and out of control which oh my god is there anything scarier than not being in control (laughs) Mm, Um, yeah and I guess in the bedroom if we apply it to that if you're not completely comfortable with your partner maybe it's a new partner it can be a very scary thing to open yourself up to that vulnerability yeah definitely being vulnerable this is another trait of the feminine like is to be vulnerable and but to feel vulnerable is scary and to open out a heart open especially to have an open heart is vulnerable because it means that we could be rejected or abandoned and so lots of us close our hearts and we don't want to open up and talk about what we want or talk about our feelings because it may mean that we get our heart broken basically and so yeah it I think it's really common for women and men to not want to be vulnerable We'll start to wrap it up and I kind of want to finish on this question because it came through in a lot of different ways from most people. Um, It was the last question that they'd put in their long list that they sent through Um, and it goes back to, we touched on it a little bit before, but I thought maybe you could give us some like practical tips. Um, When you have been in a relationship for a while and the magic has gone or dissipated slightly, what are some practical tips that we can use to bring the magic back? Mm. Sit down with your partner and prioritise your relationship and your sex life, number one, because a lot of the time we're not prioritising that and so we seem to have a lot of time for work, a lot of time for our children, a lot of time for perhaps family or friends And we sit around going, oh, we're not having enough sex. But as a couple, people are not sitting down going, okay, 
this is actually our priority and we're going to make time for it. So number one is having the conversation of renegotiating what's your priority in your relationship. If you're both on the same page and it's sex, awesome. If you're not, then come see me because if you're not on the same page with what your priorities are, then there's going to be a few issues. Um, then I think it's um, coming up with like a regular, and I hate this, these two words, but like date night because it just, I don't know why, I just cringe. But it's like um, coming up with a regular time, especially if you're living busy lives where you can just connect. It doesn't mean you're having sex every Wednesday night. Maybe it isn't. But it's like you're just actually taking time to put your phones away and put away your laptops or, you know, whatever it is and just connect over dinner or a movie or even if it's like you're so busy that it's just takeaway on the couch. But number one, put your phones away because phones are just effing over relationships because they're just so distracting. It's like having a whole other relationship in the relationship to deal with. It's actually like having an open relationship with a phone, really. That's what people are dealing with. So um, scheduling in regular time together um, and then really great communication, like talking about the problems that you, you're, you know, the major challenges and how it makes you feel and being vulnerable and opening yourself up about to your partner about what's how it makes you feel. They would be my top three tips. Okay, great. I think that and they're no all, phones in the bedroom. No phones in the bedroom. I mean, that's just good for sleeping as well. Don't take your phone in the bedroom. Like it's just a no-go zone because we, you know, so many couples wake up and they're scrolling through social feeds or go to sleep next to each other when they could be being intimate and they're just lying there on their phones and it's so not romantic. Okay, I've got one more question before we wrap up. And, I mean, there's probably no definitive answer to it, but it was also asked a lot. How often, and I guess it is different for everybody, but how often should we be having sex? I'm not going to give a specific um, number of times a week that you should be having sex because everybody's so different. Some people want to have sex three times a week and that's they're happy. And some people want to have sex three times a day and anything under that, they're not happy. So, I mean, I really I don't want to put a number on it because everybody's so unique. No, that's good. <laughs> you don't have to. Mm, <laughs> good yeah. answer. No, it's, I mean, I think it's something that people ask themselves and ask their partner a lot, you know, should we be having more sex? Are we not having enough sex? But it's like, well, what are you comparing yourself to? And if you're having enough sex for you. That's all that matters. Then that's all that matters. Yeah. And if you're questioning, are we having enough sex? Ask each other, sit, close your eyes as well by yourself drop into your body get out of your head around what the magazine told you you should be or what Juliet told you or whatever it is and go does it feel right to be having sex the amount of times that we do yeah it feels great I feel really satisfied okay then that's great (laughs) it's like stop thinking and start feeling if you feel like no actually I'm not satisfied I really deep down I'm not satisfied then that's you need to say to your partner, I'm not satisfied, I want to be having more. What can we do about this? Awesome. Well, I hope we have improved the sex lives of many listeners today. Me too. <laughs> That's my mission in life. So. What a great mission. I love that. Do you, do you find do you find I mean you said that you always spoke to your friends about sex but do you find that they come to you a lot more now that you're a sexologist no I think it's just the same I mean the topic of sex is always big in my household or at dinner parties wherever I am or whatever it's like 
I think people sniff me out and whether they know me or not, but suddenly they're telling me like what's going on in their sex life. Even like mums at school, you know, they're just, oh, you're waiting for your kid and suddenly someone's like, oh my God, we're not having enough and what can I do? <laughs> so I think, yeah, people just think they can talk to you about it naturally. That's good. They're, they're obviously hungry for it. So oh, it's, yeah, totally. it's nice that you're there. All right. Well, thank you so much, Julia. I really appreciate it. I've been trying to have this conversation for a long time with you. So it's <laughs> nice to finally get you onto the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And, you know, maybe we'll get you back to talk about Tantra because I really think that that's something that people are going to want to know a lot more about. Yeah, I'm happy to come back and just do a whole episode on that because it's a huge topic. If you enjoyed today's episode and you think you know someone who'd benefit from listening to it, why not share it with them on social media or email them the link? If you want to stay up to date with the latest episode of the podcast, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, I would love if you would leave me a rating or review. If you want to see what I'm up to in the meantime, I spend most of my time over on Instagram. So come and hang out with me at The Inspire Table. And until we meet again, I'm Jordana Levine, wishing you an inspirational week. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.